Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sporting Tribune today. It is October. I am excited. October is truly a beautiful thing, man. Not just because of the weather, not just because of the candy. Um, Candy corn is not overrated, by the way, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. All right. It's just the weather's beautiful. The NFL is in full swing. College football is in full swing. The MLB playoffs are here. The WNBA finals are here. It's a big theme of the show today, by the way. The WNBA finals. And like all the sports are happening at once. And it really, it really just, it pays off the dog days of summer when we really just have baseball or after the Super Bowl's over. And we just have professional wrestling. And that's pretty much it. No offense to hockey. Oh, I guess hockey's starting too, which is exciting for people into that type of thing. I don't judge. You know what I'm saying? If it makes you happy, it makes you happy. Go Golden Knights, baby. We're here in Vegas. You know what it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's a beautiful month, and I'm glad to kick it off here on the first Friday of October. First Friday energy to Sporting Tribune today. Adrian Hernandez, of course, every Friday we take over the Arash Markazi show as we are the Tribune family. Um, and I told you, big theme of the show, WNBA Finals. Tipping off Sunday afternoon, ABC. It's a big deal, man. This is not hyperbole. This is not an over-exaggeration. This is, in my opinion, a fact. The best... You know what? The best is debatable. That's subjective, okay? What's unarguable is this is the biggest WNBA Finals of all time. Let me explain. Hall of Fame pedigree when it comes to these coaches. Becky Hammond just went into the Basketball Hall of Fame months ago. Future Hall of Famers on both sides of the court. Championship winners. People with some jewelry in their suitcase on both sides of the court. MVPs on both sides of the court. Finals MVPs, All-Star Game MVPs, three-point contest winners, uh, defensive players of the year, sixth woman, sixth player of the year, Commissioner Cup winners. Both of these teams have won the past two. Like, whatever accolades you're searching for, from high school to the collegiate level to the professional level, there's players on both sides that have done it. There is a rivalry between the two best players. Not 
as much spoken upon in terms of these two players when it comes to Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson. Maybe a media and fan-created thing, but that's what you do when you got the two best players in the league. Some people think this one's better. Some people think the other player's better. That's how it happens, and that's what we have with Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson. And last year when Brianna Stewart was with the Seattle Storm and they were in the conference finals fighting to get to the... To get to the WNBA Finals, I should say, against the Las Vegas Aces, that is some of the greatest basketball I've seen in years, arguably since the bubble, when the game peaked, when it comes to the sport of basketball. And center stage, big time, it's prime time. All games of the WNBA Finals for the first time will be on ABC, not just the Sunday game, which is a regularly scheduled thing that they do, the WNBA, ESPN, and ABC. Every game this series Game one this Sunday, game two Wednesday, and it's just like, come on, man. I just I just went over the accolades that are on both sides, the pedigree, the history, the the talent, the experience. Granted, for the Liberty, it's the first time they're doing it together as a team, but all those experiences individually from these players, they've been through it. Now they're going to have to go through it together as a team against the team that just won the championship. The Aces trying to win back-to-back titles. That hasn't been done since the LA Sparks in 2001 and 2002. The last team in WNBA history to go back-to-back. That's what the Aces want. You have Asia Wilson who didn't win the MVP this year to win back-to-back MVPs. She won Defensive Player of the Year back-to-back. Not the MVP trophy because, again, Brianna Stewart won it this year. Highly contested, highly subjective on why she won. It was a close race. Most, most, most excuse me, very passionate about this. Asia Wilson had the most first place votes, but due to Brianna Stewart having more second place votes, it's, it's one of those weird math things. And someone voted Asia Wilson fourth place, and that person should have their credentials banned. But that's another subject. Like, you have the rivalry between Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson, and to see them play at the top of their game in the biggest stages is a beautiful thing. To now have this super team era, which both teams hate that phrase. They've been annoyed from it all year, and I'm sorry. This is just what it is. This is a super team era. This finals right here, to put it in perspective for those that don't follow the W like that, not that I'm the all-knowing of the W. I, I know a little, little, a little bit, just just a tad. But this is basically 2017 Cleveland Cavaliers with Kyrie, Kevin, and LeBron coming after the championship, coming off of their championship in 2016 versus the Warriors with Steph, Clay, and Dre, and oh yeah, Kevin Durant. Because that's what you have on the Liberty. You have John Quill Jones, who won the MVP two years ago. Or three, technically, now that this season is basically over. You have Brianna Stewart, who just won the MVP. You have Asia Wilson on the other side. Who, in this example, would be LeBron, my opinion. Not a perfect correlation, but she won the MVP last year. She finally got her championship in the pros. Like, there's also the other thing of... It's an East Coast team versus a West Coast team. New York, it doesn't get much bigger than that. Barclays Center will be sold out. The entire arena. Not just the lower deck, the 100 section. No, Barclays. And them Liberty games were louder for those games in Barclays than KD, James Harden, and Kyrie with the Nets. Just saying. I've heard some things from people that have been to both. 
That place is going to be rocking. It's New York City, one of the biggest cities, if not the biggest city in this country. And then you got Las Vegas, which by size isn't New York or L.A., but Las Vegas is just as popping. Anything any city in this country has, Las Vegas has it. The lights here shine a little bit brighter. And you got these two cities, an East Coast team versus a West Coast team. The rivalries between the players. The fact that some pundits like Adrian Hernandez, who coincidentally you're listening to right now because that's me. Hello. Hi, I'm Adrian. Have said things about some Liberty players like Sabrina Ionescu, who's on the cover of NBA 2K24 that just came out or is about to release, excuse me, in like less than two weeks. It might be next week, actually. I'm not sure. I don't know when the release date is, but Sabrina Ionescu who made her second All-Star team this year and won the three-point contest. Like, congratulations to her. But this announcement was before that. And she was given the cover of NBA 2K24 over Asia Wilson, a woman who just won the the WNBA title and MVP and Defensive Player of the Year and is on the back of Ruffles and on a nationwide commercial that they play, not during just basketball broadcast with LeBron James and Jason Tatum. Like they gave it to Sabrina Ionescu, a one-time All-Star at the time. Like that was her one professional accolade. No titles, no rings. She's a great player. She's all right. She's okay. I don't want to give her too much love. I'm biased. All right. I'm just going to say this right now. We're recording this from Las Vegas. I, I cover the Aces. Um, and, and I'm biased because I how can I? I just told you I cover the Aces. I've seen this team. I've seen this team compete on a random game in the regular season at a random time during the week. I've seen them play big games in the regular season. I've seen them win a championship. I've seen them in the preseason. I've seen them at practice. I know what this team's about. And I'm looking forward to this series because this is about to be some greatness. Are you kidding me? We're about to have this finals. And then the season for the NBA kicks off? Like, I know football. Football is football. Football is here. But we about to go full throttle into some hoops? Combining it with everything else going on? Listen. Aces Liberty is going to be fantastic, and I'm looking forward to it, and as a matter of fact, coming up here on the show, in our second segment, we're going to close, actually, look, here's the thing, there's a lot going on, okay, we're going to be joined by Mark Schindler at one point, he hosts an incredible basketball podcast that covers everything from men's, women's, NBA, WNBA, collegiate, overseas, heavy on the draft for both the WNBA and the NBA. This man is is a hoops fanatic, you know what I'm saying? AKA a basketball sicko, and I mean that is the highest compliment. He also does a lot of work for WNBA.com. We'll be joined by him to preview this finals matchup because it's historic. But also, we're coming off a weekend where Canelo Alvarez absolutely, absolutely put in some work and dominated man whooped Jermel Charlo's ass and he did it easily almost like Jermel didn't even show up somebody was just wearing his body to go out there and get their ass beat but we had a lot of fun getting to cover that fight which a lot of the stuff's on the sporting most everything's on the sportingtribune.com by the way go check that out Alan Dawson Steve Karparash Markazi they did a lot of great work I was lucky enough to go down there not only for the fight but the media day and we got some great content so, do it like this. Let's, hmm, how are we going to do this, man? Because I talk to a lot of people. 
and we're recording this live. You know what I'm saying? We're doing this live. And I just, do I want to go Jim Lampley or do I want to go Sean Merriman? And as a student of the game, no pun intended, I'm going to have to choose Jim Lampley. So I'm going to give you a snippet of our conversation with Jim Lampley at Media Day. Um, He's a legend. He returned after five years back in the boxing ring. We'll get into that fully, but do need to let you know, YouTube at Sporting Trib, SportingTribune.com, all of our social media to catch up to watch and listen to all of our content. Not just me at Media Day, but just everything going on with the Lakers and NBA Media Days kicking off to start the season for the Clippers and the Lakers, I should say. Um, Golden Knights getting ready for for the NHL season for them to defend their title. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. USC football, Raiders, Chargers, everything we cover around here, the Rams as well. Check that out. Sporting Trib on all of our social media, especially that YouTube. Let's go to me. And Jim Lampley, this is the Sporting Tribune today. Jim, it's an absolute honor to get to talk to you. And I'll start off with this question. With your return, you've now become a story to the fight when you're used to telling the stories for all of us. How does this week feel? Well, uh, it's overwhelming to a large degree. I have been away from ringside for five years. I think a lot of people did not expect that uh, to happen, but it did. And uh, to be invited back by a new medium of communication, ppv.com, chance to engage in live chat and share with fans as well as with uh, former LA Times boxing writer Lance Pugmire in commenting about the fight in text uh, rather than in my voice. Tremendous opportunity. I expect it to be a lot of fun. Uh, and coming back into this environment, seeing all the boxing people whom I've missed so much over the course of the past five years, it's emotional, it's thrilling, it's fulfilling, and uh, whatever happens from this point forward, I will never forget what these few days in Vegas have been like for me. Well, listen, it's glad to be back, and I guess you could say the MGM Grand specifically where we're doing this was basically a second home for you. 100%. <laughs> second home for me and a second home for a whole lot of other people, too. Yes, and I, I have to ask, throughout this, um, this time that you were away, did you have a break period where you just stayed away from the game, or was it a situation where if they would have asked you to call a fight a week later from when the HBO thing ended, you're like, I'm ready, I'm there, I got my stuff ready to go? I think the answer is both. Uh, I, I, I have watched the big fights. I probably haven't watched as many fights as continuously as used to be the case uh, back in the day when I was getting paid to, uh, to be as fully knowledgeable and expert as I could be. But, you know, if somebody something happens like Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence, I'm there. I have to see it. Uh, Fury versus Wilder, I'm there. I have to see it. And often with um, good friends from the whole sports uh, universe in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where I'm teaching at UNC and where a lot of my old friends who are basketball players and football players and coaches, etc., are all living there. So they invite me. Come over, Please come over and watch the fight at our house. Uh, they, they want the expert analysis They want for me free. to talk about it. That's exactly <laughs> right. So, uh, so that has taken place several times, and uh, it's always a lot of fun. And uh, recently, I've probably watched a few more fights because I I just had a kind of a vague kinetic sense that it wasn't it wasn't all gone yet. I might get one more chance to do something and here it is. When did when did this become official? A couple of weeks ago. Uh, a few weeks ago and uh, 
I, I I got to reach out not too long after Spence Crawford, and somebody explained to me what PPV.com was. Because <laughs> yeah, I was and, like, well, were you and, hesitant and with the media? PPV.com was going to talk to me, and, you know, would you even be remotely interested in this? And, and I said yes for a particular reason, which is um, I think the nature of the content that I'm going to be delivering here is different from blow by blow. Uh, I'm not providing live captions to pictures. I'm providing perspective. I used to think um, pretty frequently during the last few years that I was calling the fights on HBO that eventually it would make sense for me to get up and walk around Roy Jones's chair and go sit in Max's chair and for Max to get up and walk around Roy Jones's chair and come sit in my chair and for Max to take over and be the blow-by-blow, younger, more energetic, more on top every day, and for me to do the things that I had listened to Larry Merchant and then Max saying for years. So this is more like that. This is uh, somewhat in that vein, and, and therefore, uh, in an odd way, I think I got what I wanted. And obviously there has to be, you, you just said it as, as we came into this interview, the nostalgia, and it's great to see people um, and, and see the family again, I guess you could put it. Is there a sense of nervousness to get back on the bicycle on Saturday. True. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I remember how nervous I was before I first started doing blow-by-blow for ABC back in 1986 and 87, and I had to learn my way uh, in. And, uh, and now uh, I'm back, and I'm going to be at ringside in an environment where I have not been for four or five years. I've felt at home here in the media room. I've felt at home saying hello to all of the uh, reporters and broadcasters and uh, people like you whom I've known and dealt with over the years. I certainly felt at home yesterday interviewing both fighters, Canelo and Charlo, uh, and now I have to master feeling at home and authoritative and thoughtful and meaningful in communicating in a different way than before Saturday night at the fight. It's also a sense of like excitement to like tackle this and like not only get back to your passion, but this is a new this is a new obstacle that you're gonna have to master, right? What if what if PPV.com, what if this kind of shared ringside chat becomes a significant force? Uh, a lot of people had questions way back at the beginning of HBO and Showtime. Are people gonna buy this? Are they gonna they gonna hang on as a long-term force in the sport? Or is it gonna go back to being on Wide World of Sports, CBS Sports Spectacular, and NBC Sports World? Well, the answer was change. The answer was evolution. And, uh, and I think that this is a natural evolution in a world where a lot of people are now communicating on a keyboard the things that they used to say to somebody over a long-distance telephone, and this is in the same vein as that. And, you know, uh, one thing I do want to ask you, if, if we could go back, is, you know, to me, I couldn't believe that HBO said we're out of the boxing game. And when you get new owners, they can do whatever they want when they're the boss. 100%. It was new ownership that made that decision. And people ask me why, and I say, I don't know. I have no idea why they thought it was good to get rid of the boxing franchise. But it was their it was their playpen at it, that time. Exactly. So that's then, what they could do. And recently, another decision they made is Real World of Sports. Brian Gumble no longer going to be on air. And I know you played a big part in that show. If you could talk about some of your favorite memories of doing that show. I won uh, two Emmys. I'm not sure. Maybe three. I won two, two Emmys for best sports reporting for stories that I did on uh, uh, real sports. 
So I'm grateful to HBO and Bryant and everybody involved in the show for the chance I had to do those two stories and win those two statuettes that are now somewhere lost in a closet in Chapel Hill. Uh, and uh, and I, I interviewed a lot of interesting people, and I sometimes sat in the back of a limousine with the very great Frank DeFord, who was the most meaningful sports writer columnist uh, of his era at that time, and others who were reporters on the show. It was a great collaboration, uh, unique in my career. And I always thought of myself as a reporter and an editorialist, not just a showbiz guy. So Real Sports was a great outlet for that. And hopefully my research was correct in this next question. I'm a kid from Cleveland, Ohio, who spent way too much time listening to sports radio, WTAM in Cleveland, Ohio. I've heard that you were part of WFAN. Is that true? I was not just part of WFAN. I was the first on-air talk show host doing a sports talk segment for WFA in July 2, 1987. And I wrote an intro for that very first show, which was whimsical, comical, satirical in nature. And it was all about how uh, callers, Vinny from Queens in effect, would uh, orchestrate trades and, uh, and franchise transfers and things of that nature. And everything I wrote was, you know, this fantasy idea that of course would sound ridiculous and absurd and all of it happened. That full interview on our YouTube Sporting Trib coming up next here on the Arash Markazi Show, aka the Sporting Tribune today, your WNBA Finals preview. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. All right, let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen. I have been waiting for months for these WNBA finals to happen. Granted, you know I'm here in Vegas, so I'm a little biased. But before the Aces and the Liberty tip off, we need to check in with someone who I've had the pleasure of talking to plenty of times. But for the first time, joining us here on the Sporting Tribune today on the Believe Sports Network and FUBU Sports goes by the name of Mark Schindler. And look, basketball is life. And this man takes it literally. It doesn't matter if it's women's, collegiate, men's, overseas. It doesn't matter. If there's a basketball hoop involved, Mark knows about it. Insightful works for WNBA.com. Also has his podcast as well. They've got now that you need to check out. Mark, how you doing, my friend? Adrian, I'm good, bro. I appreciate you having me on here to connect again. Um, back in uh, in the place where we both began, Cleveland, Ohio right now. So uh, living, man, it's been, as you know, it's been a busy start to the day. So we've got a lot going on. Yeah, 100%. And before we get into the WNBA um, finals, you said there's a lot going on, which one of the bigger things is expansion. It's finally here. It's not just being talked about. Um, and, and it's been announced formally. San Francisco, the Bay Area, Oakland, 
becoming the 13th team in the WNBA. What's your reaction to it? Uh, it's awesome. I know this has been in the pipeline for a while. Um, it's been kind of expected to be Bay Area for the last couple of days. So to get the official announcement and the official um, setup in, in in Chase Center uh, from Joe Lacob and, and that ownership group was exciting. Um, I think, especially when you look at like how everything's balanced out. I know I saw some people going like, oh, well, you know, what about – you know, getting another East Coast team. And honestly, like this kind of balances out more. Like it, there are a lot situated in the East and Midwest and it makes sense to bring another two uh, to the West Coast. And particularly when you talk about the facilities that that they're going to be able to have um, and the arena they're going to be playing in are, are top notch. Like it's, it's you're not just putting them in um, in a random spot. That's part of the importance of, of doing uh of doing this right is making sure that you get situated with a good ownership group and a place that's really invested in, in that, that ownership group out in, in, in the Bay area very much seems like that. And I wasn't aware of Joe Lacob's, you know, interest in the things that he's done in the women's game. So that's, that's very positive to me. Um, I want to play the flip side to, to this in the expansion talk. Like, obviously we're kind of in a revolution, which is amazing that the fact that it's the Liberty and the aces, because that ownership group, both of those ownership groups have invested so much into the teams and treating them properly like other professional sports leagues. At the same time, here in Vegas, Aces win the championship. And for months, simple things like, yo, I can't buy an Asia Wilson jersey anywhere or a Kelsey Plum. I can't even actually, I shouldn't even say anywhere. Directly on the team shop of the team. You go on the website, you can't get it done. Um, obviously, flight. And, and travel and some of those things have always been discussion points. And I guess the easiest way I could put it is why are we renovating or why are we putting a pool in the backyard when we need to make sure that the house is good? Yeah, no, I think that there's, there's some, some truth in that. I think to, to, to not counter arguments, but to add on top of that, I think a really substantial part of this to me that hasn't been discussed yet. Um, it's about travel. Like, one of the things that's gone under the radar is that Seattle has to travel more than just about anybody considering how far away they are putting a Bay area team right there. It's, it doesn't seem that much farther, but what that's four or five hours North of Los Angeles um, makes a difference. That's like a huge difference in terms of what travel looks like. So I think when you are clustering it together like that, especially talking about how the schedule is expanded out and I've seen people asking about it, like the schedule is not going down. We are not going to see the schedule increase again. Um, that would be shocking. Um, so pretty much 99% that Portland will be the 14th team. Um, so when you cluster those two together, um, I think when you talk about how that ends up looking scheduling wise, because you know you have some teams that face one another three times a year, others that's face one another four times a year, those teams are going to play each other four times a year. That cuts down travel costs. Um, that's important for continuing to build out some of that. Um, just building out the West Coast in general with that. There's already a huge fan base for women's basketball in Portland in particular, just women's sports in general in Portland. And then obviously Stanford has a huge uh, base in, in on the West Coast there as well. So um, just from that aspect, like I think that that is something that is really crucial and why these two markets are being located and pinpointed right away, even though I understand what you're saying. Because I think so much of building out more of that is increasing the revenue and getting uh, – increasing eyes, increasing everything with this. Cause you're adding on, I don't, I'm probably not doing the math correctly, but technically you're adding on 40 more games. It doesn't end up being exa exactly 40 more. Cause you know, like they have whatever, however many home games there are. I, I don't know. 
Yeah, like it's it's confusing. Math is overrated, math is but yeah, I got you. You're, you're it, yeah, there, it it factors in, but I agree. Like there are still things that very much have to be um, taken care of now, and I think that is really relevant when we're talking about not expanding to to Ontario yet, because I think that that's something that the league isn't ready for, particularly particularly like what you just mentioned with um, fixing some infrastructural things before there's there's expansion like that. And even the pay of the players and things like that. And we could go on and on. Um, but you talk about being crucial for the league, in my opinion. The, this matchup here in the finals as we move on to this matchup with Vegas and New York. Like, I love the fact that it's like a West Coast team going up against the East mm-hmm. Coast team. The East versus the West. Like, there's drama. There's a story to be told. And obviously, there's greatness on the court on both sides. Just the fact that we're having this matchup, like how important is it for the league in terms of there's going to be more eyes than usual, in my opinion, in this finals matchup than even last year with Vegas and Connecticut. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because in some ways I know that it has worn on, on the, uh, the fans who are like extremely invested. Like, I think that it has been a lot like, you know, there's obviously a, since the moment these teams formed, it's been a talking point. Um, I think both the teams are tired of it to a degree in talking to them. Like, I know they hate the word super team, and I am kind of with them, but that's what the branding's been. And I think to me, granted, I am biased because I didn't really grow up with the, the, the W. Like, it's only been the last four or five years of my life that it's been, like, you know, something that I'm fairly around and obviously working around the league now. Um but I think this is the most that I've ever seen people who I who I know aren't necessarily W fans that are like they casually just know about the Aces and, and Liberty and they're going to watch the finals. And that matters. Like that's important. I think as much as being true to your um, for lack of better words, I'm going to use an anime term for you got to be true to your otakus, the people who are like there from the beginning, <laughs> who um, who are the blood and bones of the league, but also you don't have revenue without casual fans. Like that is what it is about. You have to get eyes on, you have to get people consistent, not just eyes on, consistent eyes on, people consistently caring. And you can't grow people into being diehard fans unless they're casual first. Like it is really hard to just bring people in and make them automatically like, hey, you're a super fan. Like that doesn't happen. So I think um, it's huge. Like this is the viewership numbers the entire year have been crazy. Obviously the uh, Sun Liberty, that final game, which was happening on, on a Sunday while other sports were going on, believe it or not, you can play two sports at the same time. Who would have thought um, like that did astronomical numbers compared to, to what, what, what it's been looking like the entire season has been like that. And I expect, I mean, especially like I was on, on call with the broadcasters yesterday, a lot of people have been like, Oh, well, why are games separated Sunday to Wednesday? That's so far apart. It's all about prime time. You get ABC both nights. And that is huge. Getting ABC on Sunday, ABC on Wednesday, um, oh, that's right. Yeah. So it's not just the Sunday treatment. It's about, no, that's huge. It's about getting prime time. So, like, I think again, it's the little things like that that are extremely crucial in continuing to build this thing out. Um, so, I think that just can't go under the radar. And I think that, like, an important part is no matter how great something is, if there's not a story that doesn't get people invested in having something to follow along. And I know that they hate the super team, like moniker, and and, and it's been used incessantly this year but to me this is the Cavs and Warriors 2017 (laughs) yes no honestly like like, that's such an apt comparison like I think that um there are definitely some differences within that um but 
I, I think in terms of the way that it's been drummed up and talked about since the start, like, yeah, it's, it's been like that. And when we, when we look at these two teams' journeys to the finals, is there anything that sticks out? Obviously, greatness for both teams and the domination that they've both had. But is there anything that sticks out to you in terms of seeing these teams adjust and flourish throughout the season? Yeah, I think um, part of what is interesting has been, even with both these teams getting the, the super team moniker, like I think the idea of super team is you just think, Oh, well, talent and like thinking about like the NBA with even in the NBA when it was the Brooklyn trio that was awesome. Like that team found a really awesome balance of ball movement and their offense was awesome. Like, but the Liberty and Aces have done that to an even higher level. Like the Liberty since the all-star break have been not arguably, I mean, they have been the best team in basketball since, since the all-star break, but then the Aces have hit their point and they've been the best team in the playoffs easily. Like you can pinpoint and be like, oh, well, they had an easier path. And I say, okay, but at the same point, they still blew out everyone in front of them and were dominant. That's that matters. Um, I think when you look at just the way that both these teams are playing and the way that they've gotten here, how many things that they've had to go through, like obviously dealing working in Candace over the first 15 games of the season, then her going down and having to deal with that and then kind of restructuring around that and, um, then for the Liberty, it's been trying to figure out how to coalesce all this together. And I still think that Sandy Brondello hasn't gotten enough credit for how difficult that is, how, how difficult the job that was. Cause it's easy to look at, okay, remember when they lost by 15 to, to the Mystics in the, in the very first game of the season. And then here they are in the finals. Like it's been a, it's been a really cool ride to watch, especially too, like you mentioned with, with the Aces watching their growth and development from last year. Cause they went from a team that was incredible offensively. And got the job done defensively. They weren't perfect to this year being dominant on both ends of the court. And that that is a huge, huge step up. Um, so I think like, I mean, there's just so much that you can pinpoint and, and be excited about from both teams in terms of the way that they've adapted throughout the year. And I think for the Aces, you know, the past couple of years, um, one of the question marks has always been depth. And this this year was no different. And to me, exhaustion as well. Just winning the championship, the things that they have to do, media responsibilities, um, the lack of players on the roster, and and all these things. But as of late, I think it's been they've only played five or six games like the past 30 days. Yeah. So it's helped them out. And you bring up the dominance in the playoffs. Granted, that game three in Dallas was closer than they expected. Um, and like that's been a lot of a lot of dominance, right? And then on the flip side, for the Liberty, Connecticut was not an easy path to go through. And, and they've had some struggles and they've had to be in games. So as as we talk about the path of getting here to the finals, like does that work in the Liberties? Um, uh, is it in their favor because they've had so many close games and stuff compared to the dominance and rest that the Aces have had? Um, wait, sorry. Can you, like does that work in favor for the Liberty? Like who, who, uh, who are you? <laughs> who does this favor? The fact that the Liberty have had to play that like through the playoffs and still like they haven't had complete domination as opposed to the aces kind of having the easier path. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, I misunderstood it first. Um, I think for me, um, I don't know if it necessarily benefits either team. Like to me, what's so interesting is as much as New York's bench played a big part in those later games in the season, when they did beat the aces, they were kind of a non-factor against the sun. Um, I thought they had – I mean, they had some good moments against the Mystics, but against the Sun, they they really weren't a factor. Like, I think they really only went, like, six and a half deep for most of that series. Um, so I think that will be interesting to see. And I, it was interesting, too, because uh, 
me and a uh, mutual friend, Nakai Stunkin. Um, Alleged. Yeah, we're, we're working on a series right now. His his piece just went out. Mine just got uh, – it's going through editing right now, but talking to the core four. So, you know, Chelsea, Asia, KP, and Jackie. And it was funny because I, I believe it was actually Asia who brought it up talking about, like, how a lot of – like, yes, things get made up about our bench, but, like, a lot of this is because, no, dude, like, we want to we play. Like, they want to play as long as they play. Like, it's not – like, obviously, like, you – it, it is fair to bring up things about their bench. But I think my point that I come back to, everybody in that starting lineup is so incredibly well-conditioned. They've had time off. They're professional basketball players. I think you can bring up like, okay, once we get to the end of this series, if it goes five games or something, maybe that, that becomes a bigger thing. And I do think when you talk about different looks and whatnot, that matters. Um, but when you're just talking about the, the rhythm that they're in as a group, how well they're playing, how talented they are. I think to me, I always just come back to, cause I used to be like, a, you know, you got to have depth. Like if you don't have depth, this and that, like you do need depth to be fair. And I think that's why having a player like Alicia Clark is so essential. You, you have somebody who gives you some versatility and, um, and gives you that extra rest and gives you the ability to play different ways, but also having the best five on the court is what matters. It's not about having the best, eight on a, on a roster on paper. It's about having, and this is not a shot at the liberty. That's just saying, cause I, I feel like I hear so much and I don't mean this from you just in general. I feel like I see so much about them not having a bench. I'm like, they went 36 and four this year without a, I mean, 34 and six this year without a quote unquote bench. So it's just, we, we had all these same problems last year and I'd argue that they're still deeper this year. Like obviously missing Bay hurts um, without getting into the off course stuff. But like, I think I would, I mean, it's pretty easy to argue that AC has been more important for this team than Bay was last year. Bay missed most of the season with injury. AC played almost the entire year with six player of the year. It was my vote for six player of the year. And I think when you look at her elevating them on both ends of the court, um, you can't undersell that. And it goes without saying, too, like all four of those players are better this year in the starting lineup. I think you can, like Kia gives them a look. It'll be interesting to see how things play out and how they try and work around things with Kia. Cause we saw that in the Dallas series a little bit, but this team is just so good, man. Like I, I, my biggest thing that I hope not to is it's very hard for me to, to nitpick a team that was arguably the best team in, in WNBA regular season history and coming off a title too. Without Kansas, which is yeah. they've did all this restructuring. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and, and, and pardon the simplistic question. Uh, and we're going to get to those series prediction here, here in a minute. So get ready for that. But what do you expect um, from Asia and Stewie? Like, is there going to be another level somehow that Asia can get to? Do you expect a little bit more scoring from Stewie? Because there's been some off nights where she hasn't scored 20. Not saying that she's had bad games at all, but there hasn't been those outbursts. So what do you expect this series from both of them? Yeah, um, I think what's so exciting is that, I, I mean, not, not that I don't know what to expect. I know both players are going to play like mad, and I think – what's so important with both of them as well is like, even if they're not necessarily scoring well, like they are so impactful in everything else that they're doing on court. Like, yeah, Stewie did not have a great offensive series, but she was awesome defensively. Uh, the passing was there. Like she's always going to be a focal point that you have to worry about on both ends. And same thing with Asia. Um, even in the game against Dallas when, you know, she was very adamant, like, yeah, that cannot turn over the ball like that ever again. But um, she was still awesome defensively. She's the reason why they won that game. Like, I think when I look at what that could be for them, it'll be very interesting to see because I feel like they might not even – like they're going to match up, but 
so much of what both teams do defensively is not just about playing one-on-one and, and finding other ways to operate. I think what will be more interesting to me, based on how these teams play, is going to be like, this is getting like niche, but like the team really started to do a lot more, especially after Candace went down, of Asia coming off screens. And that's just like, that that puts a world of hurt on uh, on guards. And I think like when you looked at some of the things that the Sun were able to do against New York's guards and trying to strain their defense, which to, to the Liberty's credit, they they worked around, they got better at, they they found new schemes throughout the the, the course of the, the, the series. Um, but I think the, the Aces are better positioned to try and put them in more, ad, in more advantageous positions for them to take advantage of. And obviously that goes both ways. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. But I think to me, that's what I'm interested in from Asia and then from Stewie on, on her side, like, I think a lot's going to come down to, to me, like I straight up would not have her. I, I, I don't know if I would have her guard age or not. What's interesting is like somebody's going to be on Kia roaming, helping off and being impactful at the rim. And what that ends up looking like, how teams end up playing with it. Because again, like the, the wings never really figured out what they wanted to do with it. I think they could have blitzed off of her as well. Cause that's a thing where Kia's gotten so good at flipping the ball or just screening and, and opening things up for, for, for players coming off the ball um, but like how, how the Liberty try and find ways to try and counteract some of the, uh, that non-spacing that, you know, for those listening to us on the radio, uh, we're coming back with Mark with more. Okay. For those watching right now and believe in FUBU, uh, sports, let's keep this going. By the way, Mark Sindler joining us, uh, WNBA.com also his podcast. They've got now go subscribe, rate, do all that. Um, and, and we'll get your plugs in too. And real quick, not to be, um, a tad bit more simplistic is Stewie and Asia going to be the most important part players in this series for each of their teams, like to win this series, not who's the best, but most important in, in, in trying to win this title. I hear what you're saying. And I think to me, I would go the most important, like, obviously, yes, you can do like the most, like the best players on the team, but the most important players to me are, I think Alicia Clark, she's essential. I think she has to have a really good series. And then Courtney Vandersloot on the other end. Because I think, like we saw in that series against the Sun, what was so big in them winning game one was they were able to keep Courtney Vandersloot out of the paint, um, really force the Liberty offense to bog down, not really get any drives and open up their their shooting and playmaking. And I think if the Aces are able to do something similar or or how the Liberty try and work around that and or focus on getting her on the paint, is going to be huge because I think they are just such a different team when they get that going. And when they don't have that going from her, they really don't have anybody else to create that. In the words of the great Tony Schiavone, we've run out of time. We got to get out of here. But the full preview and my full conversation with Mark Schindler, who just joined us, is on our YouTube at The Sporting Trib, plus so much more content. This weekend is going to be crazy, and I promise you, we got you. I'm Adrian Hernandez. This is The Sporting Tribune today. Be sure to follow me at Adrian Radio 93 on Twitter, and we'll see you next week. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.